The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. I get the rare thing of being your host today. Of course, I'm that every day, but that's beside the point. We've got a great author with us today. Her name is Mary Kay Savaris, and I said that right this time, didn't I? Perfectly. Love it. Oh, good. <laughs> and uh, as you know, I can be challenged in that respect. But but you are an author of note and your your the, the book about the toilet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, the, the, the first book that you have out has uh, and we were just talking before we began is up for some awards. Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Yep. Um uh, well, Kevin, it is such a pleasure to be back with you again in your wonderful audience. And I am known as the author with the quirky with her quirky titles. And you and I have discussed my first book, Tigers Love Bubble Bats and Obsession Perfume. Who knew? And <laughs> I am thrilled with the second book. We've talked about it previously, and she was just getting underway. The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper. And toile wallpaper is something that is part of our everyday lives. It is a very artistic wall covering or fabric. I'm just going to pop up with it. It tells a story. And it's usually very artistic, two-toned. And within this wall covering, I saw... Um, romance and I saw adventure and fantasy. And so I wrote The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper. It is the first of my Star Writers trilogy. Which and is really cool. But I want to reference the first book before we go too yes. far. Because I I love the story of how that book came to be, which was you actually saw a tiger in a bubble bath. Yes. Oh, incredible. So um Kevin, drinking cologne. Uh, Drink exactly. <laughs> You're going to make me crack up this whole interview. I love it. Um, I did. I visited the St. Augustine Wildlife Reserve in Florida. And the this wildlife reserve is an old home, uh, an old home for big cats. And I don't mean little kittens. I mean lions and tigers and panthers and jaguars. And they are brought to this reserve possibly from TV shows or movies. Or at one point, people had them as a pet and they gave up because they wanted to bite their heads off. And at the end of this tour, I come to this vat 
um, 15 feet wide, five feet high, overflowing with bubbles. And I wonder, okay, who is this for? And out saunters this incredible creature. A 600-pound Siberian tiger walks across the plank, looks as though he's taking off his robe, and he slips into this bubble bath and, la and sticks his tongue out. And the wildlife handler, she's on a ladder. There's a very thin cage between them, as there is between um, the people like us that are standing there watching this tiger in the bubble bath. And he just sticks his tongue out and she sprays obsession perfume on his tongue and he lapped it up like crazy. And Kevin, I said to myself, that is the title of my next novel. Tigers love bubble bats and obsession perfume. Who knew? And I wrote a murder mystery intertwined with um, a supernatural or spiritual twist around that. You, you know, it, it always amazed me because the titles that you come up with uh, are, you know, who knew that that was going to be a murder mystery? Who would have thought it would have been like a children's book uh, kind of thing? But it, uh, but you are a prolific writer in that way. And the second book that you've done has uh, is in line to win some uh, rather, rather prestigious awards, isn't it? Yes, and I am so thrilled and as an author humbled, so humbled because there's so many authors that submit to um, these book awards and they're very important because they are judged on a level, not here, but here. So you are in such incredible company. And last week I was so, as I said, thrilled and humbled to receive an email from my publisher in Digner House that the girl in the Toile wallpaper, she is a finalist um, up for first place or the grand prize. Um, and that is um, in fiction and in the um, young adult category. That's a, that's really, really special. And you're right with the number of authors that are out there, the number of books and you know better than I how many books are published on a daily basis. Yes. The two to be as many as podcasts are there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We we both have got the same challenges. Exactly. Um, and you got to keep at it. You got to keep working at it. But mm -hmm. but your skills as a writer and and the fantasy and the and the uh, uh, fiction that you do is is really incredible because it it. It rose above the rest and are you're out there kind of all by yourself. Now, is there a red carpet involved here? Do we, if you win, do you get to go someplace cool? Well, do you know where this is? This is in your neck of the woods because it is the Chanticleer International Book Award out of Washington State. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, they will notify me. And I'm going to actually see what I can do because at this point they are going live. But you never know in this day and age with the way things turn out. And yeah, every, everything opening, shutting, opening, shutting. I know. I know. And and right now it's not bad in Washington. No. But wait a, wait a hot minute and we'll find out what happens. Because it, it could change at any given moment. You know how that goes. Yes. Yeah. So where are you, by the way? I live in Florida. Oh. I 
I am. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, um, New York. You sound and, like a New York. Brooklyn uh, you can. Gal. You can. I can never get rid of this Brooklyn accent. It is. It is with me for the rest of my life. But I grew up in Brooklyn. Now I love Brooklyn. But I left at a time where it wasn't as chic as it is today to live in Brooklyn. And um, I lived in um, Massachusetts and then Connecticut for um, several decades. And now it's not that we're retired. My husband still works and I am so busy writing and marketing. But we've moved down. We, I think we've had it with that cold weather. And we moved down to Florida six years ago. I hate that term snowbird. But um, we did go back and forth. And the kids left the roost. So we decided it's time for us. And we are in sunny Florida. Very nice. Now, I gotta, you got to admit, though, that the culture differences between Brooklyn and Florida are rather profound. Profound. And as we all know, all these diversities are what make everything incredible. And um, it, it's so wonderful. As I said, when I left um, Brooklyn many, many years ago, it wasn't the place it is today. I mean, um, the millennials are just flocking there and younger Um and um, it is the place to live. My daughter lives there, one of my children. I love to go back. But um, as you learn, you know, um, things change in your life and you need you need that change. <laughs> and sometimes that swift movement is not what you need in your life. And you need maybe something a little bit slower. But I still love all the fat. I mean, I love the city. It truly is unbelievable. But it's it's it is a busy place, and everybody oh my gosh. and everybody is really in, intent upon getting to where they need to go because they got too much stuff to do. You said it, intent. They'll knock you over. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I, I've heard stories, <laughs> but yet you hear when um, New Yorkers need to step up, they always step up. So, yeah, we have attitude. But, you know, Kevin, I lost that attitude decades ago, that cutting edge, that New York edge. I lost it many years ago. <laughs> well, and it served, has served you well um, because, you know, in Florida, it's a little bit more relaxed, but it would be nice to to uh, uh, have a nice smile on your face when you talk to people and 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 stuff like that. Yeah. So that would be. That would be really cool. And you do all that. So now tell me about you've got a trilogy yes. um, that you are working on and you're working on the second. First of all, what decided you to make the, the first book a trilogy? Um, just the way the marketplace is today. Uh, my first book was a standalone book, um, Small Publishing House. Now I decided to write um, the second book. And what um, publishers wanted was a series. So I took yeah. the girl in the toile wallpaper and I said, oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, I can add this. I could do the anthology. I can take a theme from the girl in the toile wallpaper and develop that into um the second book in the series, crazy, because now I'm pulling my hair out with the editor. And then the third book 
in the, in the trilogy will actually bring you back to the first. The third one will be called Return the Girl in the Toilet. I mean, Twelve Wallpapers. <laughs> See, you almost said it. No, mm-hmm. I say it because I always get a laugh out of you because you always, you always needle me with that. I love it. Y- yes, indeed. Well, you know, the interesting thing about that is because of the Twelve Wallpaper, did I say that right? Perfectly, yeah. Okay. Because of that and the different images that are on it, it's almost like a, um, um, what was it, uh, Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. It is. It is. And that's what The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper is and the whole series. It is fantasy adventure. And I love to write in fantasy adventure because reality, as we know, is too real. So I love to bring my readers, just take you out of your, just your regular life and sit you down with, you know, with something that takes you out of that and puts you into a fantasy world. But what does that say about me? I'm trying to get out of reality to myself and to, to just, uh, you know, create these characters and this fantasy world is, um, it, it's, it, you know, it's a blessing because it keeps me going. I want to wake up every day and just get to it, you know, and just keep writing at it. Well, as you and I have discussed in the past, that this world needs a little bit of diversion. Uh, if you watch the news too much, if you if you see all the all the negative things that are going on in the world, a nice fantasy novel is great to be able to sit down and relax and and not deal with uh, necessarily reality, but to deal with mm-hmm. some fantasies that. And we all have fantasies. That's, that's oh, we do. Be. Yes. And, uh, and so it's great fun, but when you're developing that, you must have a unique mind to be able to come up with fanciful things and phrases and, and storylines and things like that. Where did you come up? Where did you learn that? trait or did was that just a natural occurring phenomenon with you well as, as you can see the first thing that i begin with is something in my life has brought me to that quirky title like the tigers with the bubble bats who would have come up with that title if i didn't see it in real life right. and then i then i think what can i do to make this into a story an interesting an interesting novel and the same thing with the twelve wallpaper um i ha- i loved it so much i couldn't even sell my house in connecticut because i had the twelve wallpaper in practically every room they didn't i they said to me take down that wallpaper nobody's going to buy your house but i just loved it so much and i would walk by this particular one because to me it is art and I would see um, and you can have anything contemporary old-fashioned whatever I would see this girl in there dancing and um, with other people and I said boy she's doing something there's romance there there's betrayal and that's where the idea comes from the title comes first then it's like oh can i make this into um, a fantasy adventure and the characters then the next most important thing to me is to develop the characters and i 
go into becoming my characters in my head, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not, I get it. Yep. Not that I walk around, although my husband might love it if I show up as the protagonist one second and, and the antagonist the next. But in my head and on paper, I you have to create these characters and build the world around them. As they say, like uh, um, actors, what is their motivation to exist, to be, to deal with things? And then I think, and then I don't have that middle yet. I have an inkling for where it might go and where it can end. But I can tell you one of the most incredible things and what I love so much about being an author, the marketing part is crazy. The editing part, you have to literally um, like become so humble and keep your mouth shut as, although there are things that I do fight for when I feel it's necessary, when the editor is tearing your whole book apart, like most readers don't realize by the time they have this incredible book in front of them, it is not what the manuscript initially was and how many times it's been changed and edited and you have to re-edit and re-edit. So that's why it takes a good year. And I am into the editing of the second book. We are into it for four months going on five months. So that should be done by the end of the year. But I'll tell you what the interesting part is. The story kind of just takes a life on its own and it leads me. Um, you know, as a writer, people say, how do you, um, like, it, you know, it, what happens if you can't write? And I always say, sit down, write one sentence. And um, that one sentence becomes two and three, you have a paragraph and those paragraphs become a page and they give you energy and they take you to the next, like the next part of that story. And that's what fascinates me about writing. Well, you know, it's interesting. Are you familiar with uh, a little group uh, out of Liverpool? They were called, let's see, the the, the Beatles. That's it. That's <laughs> John Lennon was in a secondhand bookstore one time or a secondhand store and he saw a poster and the poster said for the benefit of Mr. Kite. And so he bought that and then he built a song based upon the poster and what was in the poster, kind of like what you're doing with the wallpaper. So you, you're picking things out of the wallpaper and, 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 and uh, as far as what she could do, and then you decide what, it, it, what she could do. And then you build a whole book around that. That's, that's phenomenal. That's really good. No, I love it. We um, we're aging ourselves with the Beatles, but they are still with us today. It's amazing. And I am always amazed at their creativity, but you're right. And there are times I listen to um, their songs and I say, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> So I hope people don't say that about my writing, right? No, you're an award. Wear this crown for a while. An award-winning writer. How does that feel? Oh, humbling. I am humbled and I am thrilled. Tigers um, has won eight awards. 
And the girl in the Toile wallpaper was just published the end of 2021. So they we start submitting um, the beginning of 2022 and the awards are starting to come out now. So um, the cover has won um, for its award because it's such a beautiful cover. These are different Toiles and um, it, you know, this is a piece of art in itself just the hardcover book and the soft cover. Um, and uh, it, it's just, it's humbling. And so now the um, she is up, the girl in the toile wallpaper, she is up as a finalist. So if she goes nowhere at this point, she's already won being a finalist for um, first place um, or um, grand prize. So um, it, it you have to just say thank you so much. And thank you for for seeing me well you know it's like with the oscars or anything else you can get nominated but it, but you might not win but the, the key and if you talk to actors that have been around a while the key is getting nominated because yes. that means that people have they like your work they like what you've done and then they're 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 associating themselves with it if that makes any sense at all absolutely and you know to me being an actor, um, I think when I was younger, I used to think, oh, you know, how hard could it be? It is hard to be an actor and to just uh, their craft and just what they do with um, what they're given. To me, I mean, I have to applaud them. And um, one of the things, the secrets I was told by one of my editors to writing is when you, if you can see it in your head as a movie, that's going to be a big help to you. Oh, exactly. Now, now, as a, as I was an actor when I was younger. I, I'm now acting like a podcast host. Never mind. Uh, but that's um, why you're so fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll own that. Um, but, but when you're doing a character. And you know that, first of all, you've researched the character and you know what you want to do. But then when you become, when you're on stage and you become that character, that's when the real acting comes out. And that's when the real, because you, you cease to be acting. It's just like when you are looking at your book and you're, and you're delving into the character and you're actually becoming that character so that you can flush out what their motivation is and why they're doing what they're doing. And they have a whole background story, I would imagine, and at least in your head mm -hmm. and all of that. that. That would be that that's a real art to be able to come up with that. That's not easy. There aren't I've been toying with my about writing a book in my own mind and what I'm going to do is write a autobiography of stories of my life okay i think that's why why not yes well i've i've yeah. i've had i got over so far i've got 60 stories that's some are funny some are tragic yeah some are tragically funny uh you know and stuff so um but i could no more write a fantasy novel than fly to the moon i just couldn't do it I, I, don't I, know I, I love your ideas. The many lives of Kevin McDonald. I love it. Yes. Including the time that I was hung by my neck when I was 10. And oh, um, to, to when I was a boxer and, 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 and I went and fought at a, at a uh, penitentiary. Um, I, I wasn't in the penitentiary, mind you, I went to visit mm -hmm. and then I got my ass kicked and, and, you know, just various stuff like that. So, and with, a, with always with a, um, a message as to, 
Um, one of the messages would be never go to a penitentiary to fight an inmate because that's all they do is train all day. Um, <laughs> and they're mean. Um, so it's not a game. It's yeah. real life, you know, and stuff. But it's amazing what you what you're able to do. Now, have you I know you're editing the second book. Have you already mapped out the third book or is that still rattling around in your head? No, the third book, I am almost halfway through with ah. the third book because we are, um, it's, it just takes a lot of time to edit a book. So I do work with my editor once a week and we spend hours and she's incredible. She goes line by line and just literally just, just said, nope, no good. Let's, but it's amazing. She takes what I do, massages it, moves it around, and it's amazing. I mean, I only have the most highest regard for editors. Anybody out there that never hate your editor, they are there to make you shine. And they are just incredible people, and they work very, very hard to make your book an incredible I piece of art. I can't imagine being so detail oriented and that you are willing to go on like a what 300 page book. Yes. And um, basically we look at about um, yeah, like a 325 page book, which is about in um, literary terms, you say 90,000 words, but you know, I'm going to talk to you those. I'm going to say 90,000 words. Yeah. 328 <laughs> pages. And and she's going line by line. We work together line by line that um, because she's amazing the editors work in different ways and this is the way she edits and it's because she she doesn't know what's going to happen at the end so she is taking it as a reader is reading it massaging it working with you yelling at me teaching me the best mentor you could ever have it's like you know you've always said who did you hate you hated the teacher but that teacher that right the teacher it's it's really a love hate relationship with your editor that teacher that you absolutely hated and what did they do they taught you the best things ever right and you always remember them and love them. And that's where I am with my editor. Absolutely love her, but she's tough cookie. Well, you know, my, uh, when I was growing up, I had a couple of coaches and for various sports teams mm -hmm. that I was on and, and I had a coach look at me one time and he said, you know, when I stop yelling at you, that means that you're in trouble because then I don't care. So exactly. I'm, I'm going to yell at you to bring out the absolute best in you. But since you were the author, have you ever, since you know the entire book before mm -hmm. she does, have you ever said, nope, that's got to stay in? And oh, have yeah. you, you yeah. thought about that too? I would. Yeah, um, you hit the nail right on the head because I do know that whole story. So if she doesn't like my premise here, I know that if we pull that out, hey, it ties in to like page, you know, 195 down the road and we're pulling it out and you, you you could be changing the whole synopsis of your novel so there are i do fight for characters i do fight for themes and um sometimes if it's like something like it doesn't matter um you know change the color of their clothing things like that don't matter 
but it's uh, it's a character. One time in my first novel, well, it was, I mean, the um, publishing house, the publisher said to me, I fought for my title because they don't always let you keep your title. So they said to me, okay, what's an alternative title? So I just went, because right now it's Tigers Love Bubble Bats and Obsession Perfume, who knew, with an exclamation. I said, how about Tigers Love Bubble Bats and Obsession Perfume, who knew, with a question mark. And he said to me, <laughs> Mary, please tell me you have a tiger in a bubble bath. And I said, yes, it's my climax. It's a whole supernatural thing. It's she, the tiger's in there. So, um, but well, I, don't they, don't they like in the marketing world, don't they like it to be short, concise, something that people can remember really easily? But then you're taking the alternative approach, which is a long title that people can't forget because it took them a while to read it and it's so unusual. Right. But I'll tell you, I'm seeing longer and longer titles on books now. Yeah, I, and I agree. movies, right? And yep. that caught me the other day. That I saw this movie title, and it was the girl next to the window, next to the door in the house, next to the basement. I mean, it went on and on. And I said, "Oh, look at that! I'm a trendsetter." <laughs> <laughs> well, you you certainly are, and that that is that is really cool. So now you're in the middle of the third book. Um, and that one's going to be, you're going to go into the editing process and the, that's going to be out in like 24. Next year. Yeah, no, because right now we are looking, you're right. We are looking at the end of 2022 for book number two in the trilogy. So then it'll be another year after that in editing. And so, yeah, it'll be the end of 2023. And then hopefully I will have done well enough where they're willing to, you know, look at my other ideas down the road because I do have so many ideas. Oh, do tell. What else? <laughs> Not rattling around in there. Oh my God, the quirkiest titles. <laughs> the um, one of my titles for my books, uh, for my, um, it's a manuscript. I mean, I've gone through so many rejections. You have to build that thick skin. But I do have a title, The Only Inheritance Facilitator. Um, I'm here because of a quirky little bird, stupid. I mean, I have that long title. So I do. I, I, that's where I begin. It's that quirky title that I love. And, you know, I have to tell you, Kevin, I've gotten such wonderful feedback on the titles. People, you know, my readers will come back to me and they'll say, not only do I love your covers, but your title is wonderful. So now do you um, have an illustrator or did you do that yourself? No, because I am traditionally published both times with different publishing houses. They are small publishing houses. You know, when I was, when I was just submitting and I'm looking at, you know, slightly over 10 years now, um, it was just one rejection after another. So as I always tell you, I'm an overnight success, a 10 year overnight success. And, um, you know, back then, self-publishing was looked at as taboo. 
And uh, my goal was to become traditionally published. So I kept, I put it aside, I'd write another manuscript and I'd resubmit again and times have changed. But now um, self-publishing has come such a long way, but I am traditionally published. So your question is before I lose my train of thought, no, they do everything. And that's the difference between self-publishing and traditionally publishing self-publishing you're 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 taking all those costs you're illustrating you're editing or you have to hire people to do that my publisher does everything the cover the gives me the editor um you know they do some promoting but because it's a small publishing house um i do a lot of my own marketing as and that is really a, a cool way to go now the other thing that I'm struck by, and tell me if this is true or not, because you're in a traditional publisher mm-hmm. um, who has got a lot of experience with a lot of aspects of, you know, like the the uh, cover and mm-hmm. the artwork and the editor and all of that. Do you think that the, the book, because it's published that way, is higher quality than if it were to be self-published? It depends where you are in your author life. I mean, you could self-publish and you could be an unbelievable artist. So, I mean, the world is our oyster nowadays. Um, But I have help. Um, They do all of that work for me in the sense of putting the product together for the marketplace. I think it's very hard to self-publish because you really have to wear all those hats, but some people do it beautifully. I personally, uh, it would be very, very hard for me, you know, because I could write the manuscript, but then to that artistic, like I did not design um, the, the cover to the girl in the toile wallpaper or the Tigers love bubble bats. I mean, that was done by the publisher. So, well, but what's interesting about that is because you've got a professional editor and a lot of mm-hmm. self-published books, they don't have the team around mm-hmm. them. And so if, and they might get their brother-in-law to edit it or something like, so it doesn't come across the same way as fighting for every line for every sentence that's in your book. Right. And that's where the editor always says to me, um, when you do present it for an award, they will kill you if it's not top notch for, you know, the ward committee. They'll just they'll just they won't even look at it if you come across that way unprofessionally, whereas um, here they're trying to work with you to get you to be. And there are standards in publishing. I mean, the editing process is a whole unbelievable world in itself. You know, you can't put a comma here if you do something here, you know, and the dialogue tags. I mean, it's a whole culture, basically, to to write a book. I was talking to a gentleman earlier who I'm going to have on the show later, not today, but another day. And he was telling me that he, he, he wrote a book and it's around his specialty with his, which is health. And he wrote the book. He wrote it in like 17 days and he took it to an editor and the editor brought it back. And he says, I swear there was a red mark every five words for the entire dialogue all the way through. Yep. 
And uh, so he had to virtually rewrite the book yes. because of the number of edits that were in that. That's what editors do. That is their job. And they are schooled in that. I mean, it is a degree. And there are books written on editing. So I then, you know, that's wonderful. And I only write, I don't write nonfiction. I only write um, in fiction and fantasy. I mean, I'm trying to escape reality all the time. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that I, I could never be an editor because that it is so, it's, to me, that's like being a mathematician or being an engineer. It's all, it's all, you know, down to the nitty gritty and, and each word, each line has a phrase and, and, mm -hmm. so, and it's very, it takes, it's very time consuming. It, it takes is. a long time. And so that's right. very expensive, right? Sure. And um, they do recommend nowadays before you do submit to a publishing house is to hire somebody, an editor, you know, to really um, take your manuscript and just polish it uh, before you do send it out. And it, it, it makes it easier for a writer who wants to be traditionally published to send a polished piece of work. So it's, you know, it's, it's worth the investment and you don't have to spend, I mean, you can get somebody that's very good and it's, and it doesn't have to be exorbitant. Oh, well, that's, that's good. Yeah. So, so you tell me about the manuscript that you have been uh, submitting to a lot of people and getting, and getting that nasty letter that you get oh from the beginning when i started writing over 10 years ago i was not in a good place so i don't mind sharing this with your audience um i was um i was becoming an empty nester which should be a wonderful time in my life you know they're they're out they're going but this was the last i have three children so this was my youngest she was a senior in college and for some reason um I, I've always dealt with anxiety as we all do, but it became so debilitating to me. My limbs were becoming numb and my writing actually saved me. I don't think I've ever discussed this with you or we've had that opportunity, but it was, and it was a learning curve and I did get help and everything, but my writing was there to help me. So back then, um, I would write a manuscript and then it was, uh, you were dealing with snail mail over 10 years ago, but they would actually critique it, the publishing houses and send you back something, but times changed, but it would be, yeah, look, you know, you can write, but it's not what we're looking for. And if, as an author, if you are always chasing the latest thing, the latest trend, you'll never get there. Try to come up with your own idea, no matter what it is, what you know the best. So it was constant. It was um, rejection after rejection. But sometimes you get that little bit that said, if I heard somebody said to me, Mary, you can write, but I would wait. I went, oh my God, this is wonderful news, you know, because it would spur me on. And my writing was like, you know, just, it, it helped me at a time in my life when I needed it. Well, I'll tell you, being an empty nester is a cataclysmic change mm -hmm. in somebody's life because, it, you know, you're focused on the kids and school and the, and the outings and the things they have to do. And, and, and you're, you're, 
you have a marriage and stuff, but it's yeah, and that 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 all of that gets redefined when when the kids move out. Uh, the marriage, I mean, a lot of cases, marriages fall apart at that point because they've never had to. Second only to when people retire, because then you know your house was your house and he just came to visit you every night uh from work and then now he's there all the time and he wants to take your house and to make it his house, you know all that kind of stuff so it's it's hard being an empty nester yeah and and as we learn life is a journey and there are reasons we go through this and now i'm on that other side of the bridge and i can look back and i can say and i did have help professional help to get me through it and um but i can say you know it was a blessing what I learned from it and what I took away from it. But, but you're right. And I always say to everybody, never give up on yourself. If you have a dream or a passion in your life, it doesn't have to be writing anything, you know, something that this was a hobby for me that became a career. Never give up on yourself. Everybody's out there to put you down. Just go like this, la, 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 and just stick, just stick with what's in your heart and what you want to do because it'll happen for you. It took it. I can promise you it's not going to be overnight, but it'll happen for you. And, and I, I have say I have a lot of patience too, but I also love that creative part. So. Well, I, I love the, the fact that you say that you were a, it took you 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's really cool uh, because you, you're right. And it does take, regardless what it, it, what you want to do, if, if you are a carpenter and, and you just love to work with wood and stuff, it takes time to develop your skills and, and stuff. Same thing like what I'm doing, what you're doing. Uh, but you've got to do something with your life that, to make it, to make your life meaningful. And I've discovered the two biggest questions that, that I run across in, in my life is, is this all there is to life? And why am I really here? Two big questions, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes. Well, and everybody runs into a point in their life when they're going, gosh, man, is this all there is? It's just work and, and coming home and, and grocery shopping and doing, doing the same or, and then why am I really here? Am I just here to, to uh, uh, be a manager or am I here to do something bigger or something better? something to help make humanity and stuff. And, and uh, people are finding that to be really interesting. When did, did that happen for you in your life? And is that how come you started writing? Oh no, it's still happening in my life. Why am I here? (laughs) Where am I going? I ask myself that every day. Now I truly believe we all have a purpose in life and um, we're, we are here for a reason. And um, you know, Hey, this is life, a roller coaster. If everything was perfect, it would be horrible, right? It's like the ups and the downs and you appreciate and the people really say, have that gratitude every day. And it gives you a positive outlook. Once you like, once that starts to evolve, that positivity, it be, it surrounds you and it brings you to a different place. And it begins with gratitude. Yeah, if right. You- if you yep. are grateful for even when things aren't going so well, if you can be grateful about the lessons that you're being gifted with exactly. and the experience that you can then take to help others or to internalize it yourself and, and to become better th- than you were. And 
those experiences will drive us all, I think. Yeah, you hit that nail right on the head. And now um, what I'm doing with the Star Writers Trilogy is we started a new um, um, website. website, the Star Writers www.starwriterstrilogy.com. And it's really for young adults or even those, you know, because what I want to do is they, you know, they can be so down on themselves. And what we want to do is offer something very positive to them. And it's all clean on the website, introduce them into the Star Writers trilogy. And I do write for the Christian marketplace and, and beyond. But I truly feel that um, this website, the Star Writers trilogy, is a wonderful place for young adults to tap into. I agree. I agree with you because especially young adults, well, all of us, but I, I cannot imagine growing up with social media the way it is today. No. Um, it, it's hard and, and everybody is out to, to knock you down. It seems like nobody's there to lift you up. And uh, it's really hard to, to, for young people, especially teenagers that are going through uh, puberty and all the hormones and all the, you know, you're fat or you're not fat, mm-hmm. you're ugly, you know, all that, all that stuff. It's, it's hard to be a kid. So I'm glad you're doing that. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Every generation, it becomes harder and, and harder, as you said. Sure. Seems face, like it, doesn't it? Right. Because it's, you know, the technology, the marvels of technology. I mean, it's got, it's good and it's bad. Right. So. Yeah. And you know, who knew, when I was, did, did you ever watch Star Trek when you were a kid, the, the original series? I would go back to it, yes, yeah. And they were talking about, you know, like these things and, and, and stuff, that, that uh, a computer that, and, that they had, you could hold in your hand or a communicator right. or whatever. And I thought that'll never happen. Goodness gracious. Well, I, I truly don't believe in, in our lifetimes we'll be beamed up anywhere, so I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> Well, you don't, you don't need to be. You, you need to stay right here in, in Florida with the snakes and the alligators. Yeah, you can even exactly. stay there. Do, do you have any good alligator stories from down there? Oh, gosh. the um, Yeah, these alligators, they're very frisky this time of year. Oh, and good. My, <laughs> Remind me not to go in the springtime. My husband will go out fishing and, oh gosh, they follow him from one end um, because where we live, we have the lakes and they're in there. Yeah, they're, um, but they do, they, they, that's what people say. They are coming out and they're just looking to mate at this time of the season. So, but they need a little bit of energy. So they're going to eat you, <laughs> then they're going to go mate. And, and the dogs and right. Oh. And the creatures, but. Oh, that would be that would, and now you've got uh, Mr. Python, who is, uh, and uh, those those snakes that are there that weren't there before. So, right. um, well, I I hope that you are safe where you are. I think so, or I just run the other way. <laughs> so, so what's it like when he's going fishing and he sees these two eyes uh, floating behind him, going? <laughs> When are you going to stop soon? Are you going to stop? My husband's Italian. He gets aggravated. He's like, would you leave me alone already? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I, I tell you. So, yeah, that's why I live in, in Seattle, Washington. We don't have any of those. No, but that's a beautiful part of the country. I think at one point we had discussed my daughter had biked. My oldest daughter had biked across the country and she ended up um, in that part of the world. And they raised money for um, bike and build. And they're, they're starting again, you know, after this whole COVID thing, they were shut down, but they're starting again in like this week or the following week. And they raised money for um, affordable housing. But we ended up, I ended up visiting her. It was in your part of the world and it's beautiful there. It really is. The wineries it, are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it is. I, I have to tell you a quick story. I, uh, um, Oh, and now I've got another story to write. I was, uh, uh, I worked for a company out of Arkansas for a number of years. It was a chicken company. And so a number of the guys, the, they all lived in Arkansas. And in Arkansas, for those of you that haven't been there, they've got something called ticks, which we have some in the mountains, but not very many. They've also got something called a chicker, chitter, chicker. Yeah. And, and it is a little bug that gets underneath your skin. And you have to take a bleach bath to get rid of them kind of thing. Oh, my. Ugh. And so the, a couple of guys, I, they flew up to Portland. And uh, I, I met them there in, my, in a rental car and drove them up to Seattle. And, of course, even on I-5, it's green with evergreen trees all over and stuff. And one guy looked at me and he goes, you mean to tell me that in them there woods there aren't any chiggers or any <laughs> ticks and stuff like that? And, and I said, nope, nope, we're we're good here. And he said, dang, I'm going to have to move here. This is much better than down there. And, <laughs> and it wasn't like, it's like 95 and uh, humidity is 95 down there and all that. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Now, Florida is not that bad. You, you, you are. Well, I am going to find out. I mean, I will be here the, the whole summer, so I'm going to really experience Florida, as people tell me, at its worst. It's at its hottest. I don't want to say at its worst, but truly at its hottest. But that's why we have air conditioning. So. I was going to mention that. See, we don't. nobody has air conditioning up here. I know. You don't need it there, right? Except for like nine or ten days out of the year, and yeah. then everybody melts and all that kind of stuff. But in any event, we've been talking with Mary Kay Savarese. She is a wonderful writer. She's got uh, uh, the the Tiger in the Bubble Bath drinking cologne book out. <laughs> the name of that book, the proper name, please. Oh, I uh, yes, Tigers love bubble baths and obsession perfume. Who knew? Um, I am on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any independent bookstore, and my author website, www.marykaysavarese. Please visit me. I love to connect with my readers and I give away prizes and things. So do visit my website. And um, it's, you know, I was, again, very humbled with the reviews I received for the girl in the Toile wallpaper because they said young adult, high school age or older, and they compared it to A Wrinkle in Time and Doctor Who. So those were wonderful, wonderful reviews. Oh, my goodness gracious. Doctor Who? Oh, my. That's 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 really good. That's that's So, Mary Kay, it's, it's been a pleasure having you here. Uh, we got to wrap this up, but I wanted to uh, give you a moment. There's a young, budding writer out there that uh, I'd like you to just give take a moment and give somebody that would like to write that has never done it just a little bit of advice. As I said, 
Never give up on yourself and don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Um, if you have a passion in your heart and that's what you want to do is to write, hone your craft, stick with it. And I can guarantee you it'll happen for you. Maybe not overnight, but when somebody says, oh, you're not good enough, you go la, 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 la. And you stick with your passion because you are worth it and you can do it. Never, ever give up on yourself. That is very well said. And Mary Kay Savarese, 10 years to become an overnight success. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Thank you for being on the show. And uh -oh. I, we're going to have to have you back because I really love the positive attitude that you bring and everything that you do with the writing. And you passed it on to the next generation because your daughter's working to raise money for causes and doing some really cool stuff. You should be very proud. I am very proud of them um, and, and gutsy to bike across the whole United States. Yes, um, when I was younger, I could have never done it. But to me, that takes a lot of guts. And it does. And, and also a bottom of iron because you, you'll get really tired from riding a bike. Yeah. And, and if you're driving and you see this, um, whatever they call them, pods of bikers, um, you know, just be careful. Um, give them lots and lots of room. Give lots of room. And I'll tell you that one of the things that I love to hear from my daughter is how amazing the whole United States is. They go from state to state and they are welcomed with open arms in communities that let them sleep in their, um, like it, it could be churches or just, you know, the schools and they feed them and people are just amazing. So there's so much positive stuff out there. You know, as we said, we deal with reality, but this is a absolutely wonderful place that we do live in. It is indeed. So everybody get out and enjoy it. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and by the way, be kind to each other. That, yeah. that would be nice if we could do that. So Mary Kay Savarese has been our guest and I want to thank you so much. You wait right there and I'll be right back. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of kmmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named kmmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other